This is Simon Transparently Awakening the heart of humanity As we see beyond the lies And open our eyes to realize This is our time to rise Here we are. Here we are. Hey, Charles. Hey, Simon. <laughs> we made it. We made it. Wow. Okay, welcome. Thank you for dedicating your time and coming here to have this conversation today when it would seem that in the world, uh, everywhere is crumbling. And uh, it's a pleasure for me to have a moment to be with you. So how are you feeling in this moment? Well, in this moment, I'm feeling good because it's uh, good to see you and connect. Um, I've had uh, other moments in the last few days that haven't been so good. Um, a lot of fluctuation, a lot of uh, um, highs and lows. And I don't know if that has something to do with the things happening in the world or if that is just me, but certainly a lot of things are happening in the world. So it could be that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You have a lot going on at the moment in terms of creatively and your offerings into the world at the moment it feels that of course i follow what you're sharing and i read what you're sharing or try to <clears throat> digest as much as i can and i know that you've just recently launched a, a new online program and you're you know this beautiful new book that i'm i've now started to digest called climate is out there mm -hmm. so is some of your highs and lows associated to the, your creative aspects or is it just more personal things Oh, I mean, part of it is the challenge of, you know, like you said, I'm, I'm this year I've done a few, I've put out a few online courses and that requires working with a team. And I never, I never, never wanted to uh, manage a company, you know, uh, I mean, that's not, I mean, I want, I, I'm most comfortable being alone somewhere, writing things or speaking on a stage, which in a way is also like being alone. Right. You know, I don't have to actually interact with, with human beings, <laughs> right. all of their complexity so much. Uh, I mean, there is an interaction between me and the audience. Um, very, it was actually quite intimate, you know, I'm really, but, but it's more of the audience as a collective being and, and not as, um, an individual human being, right? Um, but nonetheless, a being. So anyway, you know, I'm, you know, the world of human relationships is messy, and it draws some of my energy away from the things that I really want to be doing. But then I'm like, okay, but maybe this is just my growth edge, and I should lean into it and yeah. see what's born from that. And I don't know. Yeah. 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 And you don't need, you don't, you don't necessarily need to know, but I, I love what you said there that human relationships are messy. And what's your, what's your take on that? Why interactions with other beings is really messy. It's always been messy. Right. Even if when you read ethnographies, um, people in, in these um, indigenous hunter gatherer societies, seems like they spend a lot of time doing what anthropologists call social grooming, which is, you know, telling stories about each other, 
um, just maintaining the relationships right. requires a huge amount of time and energy. Right. Subsistence doesn't require that much time and energy. Subsistence is that's the easy part. You know, that's like on average 19 hours a week or something like that right. for, for a working adult. But that's that part's not hard. But to to maintain the social group, uh, that's much more time consuming. And I don't know, like I find myself attracted to drama in a way. Not that I'm a drama king, uh, but there's something just like really mesmerizing about it. Exactly. And, and, and there's, there's something quite um, enticing and alluring to it. It pulls you in, even yeah. if you just hear a little bit. I mean, if you're sat in an airport and you hear a bit of drama, sometimes you're like, hmm. It's like, yeah. it's, it's like our antennas are ready for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, why? Is it because I, I always say that's because we just love pain and gossip and, and conflict. <laughs> um, I think that ultimately it comes down to we know who we are through these through knowing other people and through and through having them know us. We can locate ourselves, and it's a way to assure ourselves that we exist by by enmeshing in this web of stories and relationships. On a deep level, that's that's where I think is it's like not I'm not even I don't think it's a bad thing. Right. So drama. It's like drama because I, I the other day I said to Dara, "Goes oh, this is just a drama." And sometimes drama has a, a very negative energy about it. Because if we look at the drama in the news or the drama on soap operas or the drama mm-hmm. that we're so, you know, so-and-so at 56 is, you know, has got a new partner. Have you seen what's going on over there, right? Yeah. It's, like, it's like there's something about it that's, you know, it's a bit like I always think of this idea of um, the four agreements around, you know, no personalizing, no assuming, but drama is full of personalizing and assuming, Yeah. yeah. So if, if that's, I don't know, sometimes I say, is that okay? Can we have a, can we have a story that, that, that doesn't have that? Is it possible? Well, you, well you, notice, you notice that if you do go through a stage, maybe of a relationship or something with no drama, you, you, if you're like me, you'll probably try to create some drama. Right. Or, and, I, and I think human beings, maybe someday if we, uh, bring peace to the world and we end some of the really toxic murderous dramas that are unfolding in our world today, murderous to other people, murderous to, to the earth. Maybe if we end all of those, we will enter a stage where like, okay, now what drama shall we create rather than we're going to live in a world without drama. Mm. Cause I, that's, that's what people do on, um, you know, in, in any community, any group, any, even in any relationship, and I think there's probably a good reason for that, not only to uh, work out our identity, who we are in relation to each other, but also drama can be a way to bring out hidden, um, hidden contradictions, hidden wounds, things right. that are ready to be exposed to uh, the, uh, the light of consciousness. And so they can come out through drama. So in a way, like attempts to avoid drama maybe that could be a kind of spiritual bypass i i i'm liking this i'm liking this a lot as you're talking my my cogs are going and it's like what you're saying is that in order to uncover some of the shadows or some of the the deeper wounding that's where it's sparked in the conflict of drama yeah right so like one of the four agreements you know don't assume maybe another way to approach it would be um 
flag your assumptions and notice what are they pointing to? Like, what are the assumptions or the stories you're making about another person? The drama that you are writing and assigning a role to another person, where is that coming from? Yes. To really take an interest in that rather than I'm just not going to do that. Yeah. And then, and then actually almost in, have an internal conflict because you know that assumptions are still arising, but you don't want to assume because you're like, well, I shouldn't assume. Assuming's yeah. bad. Whereas actually if I go, wow, I'm assuming, and where's that leading me to? Right. Yeah. Where's it coming from and where's it leading me to? Yeah. 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 And you I can do that, that with personalizing as well. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, th- I think that, that you, we, we human beings are a very, very young species. And there's a lot of drama still to be played out. I'm just personally working for a world where the drama doesn't involve, you know, um, misery, violence, torture, human trafficking, ecocide. Like we could, we could have really interesting dramas that don't uh, have those things. Mm. And we do actually do that a little bit. Um, like the drama of uh, sports, like that is a totally constructed drama that for whatever its flaws is way healthier than the drama of war. Yeah. 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 Or not to mention theater and film and dramas like that are known to be dramas. Yeah. But something like, I I think that um, a healed or healing society in a few hundred years, we're not going to have war anymore, at least not in any form that we can recognize as war today, but we could still very well have sports and other, other um, ways of playing out archetypes, playing out uh, psychological forces that need expression in order to be fulfilled. We're never, at least in this future that I can see, we're never going to be in this uh, samadhi realm where we have, where we are just in what is and we never make any dramas. Yeah. It's fun. <laughs> you know, that's like, I don't know if you ever like get into a argument with, with your partner, you know, like, and it's really uncomfortable and, and brings up all these painful emotions and stuff, but there's part of it that's kind of fun. You know? I'm just thinking of the last time I was like, it wasn't so much fun. It's like, <laughs> and I love your face. You're like, it's fun in there. It's just, it's so, well, you know, it's, I guess it depends if like it, for me, sometimes it's fun when I, the, the word awareness is popping up. It feels to me that it's fun with me and Dara, for example, because we know a bit like what you said earlier, we know where it's heading and that we're going to come full circle and see the treasure from it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? So yeah. it's like, it feels like that's fun. But for example, people contact me sometimes and they're like really like at each other's throat and it's not fun for them, right? There's like a real a violent, like you mentioned earlier, violent communication happening. Yes. I, and I don't think that's so much fun. No, but at the same, right. And I'm not, you know, I'm just talking about like a little corner of my consciousness that recognizes at the same time that this isn't even real. Yeah. You know, that, that maybe even this, uh, <clears throat> this cosmic, you know, spiritual epiphany that people have sometimes it's all a game. The whole thing is a game. And what does it really matter? 
And then we have experiences in life that that drive that point home. Like, uh, you know, if a, if a loved one is is deathly ill, or a child is missing, uh, or something like that, or somebody passes away who is dear to you, yes. then there's that moment of like, whoa, all these dramas I was involved in, all these things that I was so upset about, exactly. they don't matter at all. Exactly. And that awareness is always present on some level. It can be very deeply hidden, but that's the perspective that reveals maybe if not everything reveals so much of what what we care about and what grips our attention and roils our emotions as uh just a game just a drama you know that that that's the awareness i'm talking about yeah and that, and, and and i love how you described it that it's deeply hidden because to have that level of awareness more present let's say in our day-to-day when we're interacting and engaging with others that that's a beautiful that that could be beautiful that would bring a whole different level of drama that we were speaking about a moment ago mm-hmm. where you know where you have this conflict or you have this this challenge or there's some friction and you know that there's some opportunity for growth or there's some opportunity for healing but at the same time knowing that at the same time you're not so identified to that as well yeah. but I, but that's not happening in like when we look out in the world right now that's that's a far away state of awareness from my standpoint when I, when I see how much, as you, as you know so well, I don't even need to give you facts with what's happening in the world, but the way that we're engaging um, with each other um, in terms of uh, relating with one another, that level of it's just, you know, I could, we could just, because for example, I love how you describe, if, I, if I, I've said this so many times as well, if somebody was dying, so much of what we're serious about and attached to today falls away, Correct. Right. But, but we're seeing so much dying in the world 24-7. It's shown to us all the time. Yet we don't, we're not able to drop away from that. Does that, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so it's like, is it just a personal death? It's when it's like really meaningful to us. Because if I see the dolphins dying or I see the whales being beached or I see the Amazon burning down or whatever, or some other human beings getting murdered and killed in other places, that doesn't seem to make me think it's all just... Um, you know, I'm going to drop everything right now. All my no, but what it does, no, but what it does is it, at least for me, it reorients me toward what's actually important. So it does have that same effect of revealing certain things as trivial and and not really worth my attention, like the Amazon burning down. I mean, this has been with me pretty strongly for for a while now. The advancing red line in the deep Amazon, uh, the, the chainsaws, the bulldozers, the illegal loggers, the um, illegal cattle ranchers that are just going in and burning down, like just literally dowsing huge tracts with kerosene or gasoline, lighting them on fire to graze cattle. Um, the, I mean, I, the government that has basically abandoned any enforcement of protection of indigenous land. Uh, I mean, it's just like a rainforest holocaust happening right now right and i'm not saying that 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 makes me think oh life is just a big game what it does though is it reveals certain things that might have absorbed my attention and got me all wrapped up in these little dramas as well that is actually compared to what's going on right here that's not that important so awareness of 
the tragedies that are unfolding keeps me honest and helps orient me toward things that seem important. I mean, maybe there's some metaphysical perspective in which none of it is important. That doesn't ring true to me. Um, I could go into that intellectually, uh, but I don't really want to. No. I want to trust the evolution of my embodied feeling about what's important as it takes in more and more truth about what's happening in the world. Yeah. 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 And as you're speaking, something's popping up. The, the word consensus reality is popping up in my head for whatever reason. So as you were talking, and I listened to a lovely talk of yours recently, you was on a panel talking about the, um, uh, what's it called? The, 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 the masculinity talk. Was it called sacred masculinity or what was it called? Was I don't it? know. Anyway. There's... It was, it was, oh, you yeah, were, that was a beautiful one no, at, at the sand conference. Yeah, you was on a panel. A panel. A, yeah. It was about toxic masculinity, and, and, and anyway, you, you shared there was some real gems in there. But it was it was making me when I was listening to that, I was thinking about like so if we're these powerful beings that have the potential of 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 creation, of impacting the field of creation, right? The infinite field of creation, and with our pure intention, we contribute to the the realities that are playing out right and depending on who you listen to there's potentially you know multiple uh, infinite consensus realities playing out and you know but either way this one that we are actually functioning at the moment here today in this place called germany there's a consensus reality playing out and i guess and i'd love to hear your perspective on this i guess depending on different communities and different countries and so on we've got all these different consensus realities playing out right where the, where we're all projecting our thought into an agreement, we're back to agreements here, an agreement of how life is. So then as much as there's this sort of sense that, yeah, there's not much we can do, I guess I'm a little bit in the realm of, well, actually, if enough of us are putting our focus into this new story or this sense that we can be a more mature species, that we can actually rid sex trafficking and pedophilia and all these other things that seem to come from, let's say, a more, in my opinion, a distorted projection of reality then then anything's possible right i have this sort of you know me anyway you know me now i have this slightly raging optimistic view that if enough people start to project into a certain way we're going to create a reality from that and i get is that a little bit what you're pointing to when we talk about the new story now if enough of us really bring forth this vision of a new story then we can create a new drama now or not yes I see, um, I see you. I see your forehead squinting. Tell me. <laughs> well, sometimes when I go down that that line of thinking, uh, if enough of us change our story, if enough of us change our beliefs, if enough of us change our intentions, right, then things will be great. Uh, sometimes that leads me to a kind of a hopelessness and a futility because. Look at all those people who aren't changing their story, who aren't changing their reality, their beliefs. And it takes me then back to the place of how do we make that happen? They're not me. They're somebody else. Uh, Separation. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing is a deeper question, maybe. How do you change your beliefs? Can you actually do that? through your will, right. through a, a decision or a choice. 
right? I'm not a disbeliever in free will. I do believe there's such a thing as a choice. But I've become dubious about what we actually are choosing and what we are telling ourselves that we're choosing, but is actually automatic and not a choice. Like a default, like a default program. Well, yeah. Uh, and I think that a lot of beliefs, maybe most, most of the time, almost all beliefs are not a choice. And if you attempt to choose to believe something differently than you actually believe, you're actually not going to believe it. If you've tried any of these, uh, new age uh, belief manipulation techniques where you attempt to embody a belief that you live in perfect health and financial abundance. And you say that affirmation to yourself 50 times a day and you create the visualization of all that wealth coming in and you try to, to embody it and, and bring in the feeling of all of that Yet there's still this voice that's like, who are you kidding? You know it's not true. Oh, that's a negative thought. Push that away. And so it, it might end up with, with, you know, being a situation where you are telling yourself you believe something. You actually believe that you're believing something, but you're not really believing it. So for me, the question isn't so much uh, how do I change my beliefs to generate a different reality? And this isn't just new age dogma. I mean, this, it's obvious that the collective field of belief and the stories that, that humans hold in common do, in fact, generate a reality. Everything in our social world is really a story or a set of beliefs, law, money, government, um, corporations, yeah. nations, these are all beliefs. These, are, these don't exist in any reality outside the collective human mind. So obviously it is important to change our beliefs. So it's important to change our belief, for example, that, that uh, a finite planet can sustain infinite growth, that, the, uh, that human salvation comes through more material production, uh, that the world is a machine. Like there are some deep beliefs that need to change. However, I am more and more seeing beliefs as symptoms rather than causes, symptoms of a set of conditions. So more and more I'm asking, how do I change the conditions from which these beliefs come? In myself even. Like if I have a quote negative belief, I ask, where is that belief coming from and what state of being does it co-resonate with and how might that state of being change? Often it corresponds to trauma that, that I or a person has sustained uh, in an earlier time of life. Often it corresponds to the economic or social environment. It's, and you've probably had this experience where you're in, you know, you go to a, a music festival or some really beautiful, amazing place. And you're, while you're there, your beliefs about human nature, your beliefs about what's possible, your beliefs about the nature of reality, they all change. Yes. And then you go back to London 
where you go back to wherever else you came from and you can try to hold on to those beliefs for a while, yeah, they but they are not at home yeah. in London. Yeah. So, so you're talking business, about the environment, the environment that we have to change. I'm not stepping that far. I'm just noting some data points. The, the, the failure to maintain the beliefs that, that were born in you at Burning Man when you go back to London, that should not be seen as a failure of will. It should be noticed. And that noticing causes changes to happen inside of you. That information comes in and forms you, which is why it's called information. It comes in and it forms you into somebody who might actually have different beliefs or who might be attracted to go to uh, a transformational festival again. And the beliefs that are at home there get strengthened or it might attract you to certain people who also uh, carry some of those beliefs that felt so good and that correspond to how you felt and to a part of you, uh, an aspect of you that is wanting to express and that's growing. So then we gravitate toward a community, maybe toward friends who help hold the, the new story, the new set of beliefs that we're stepping into. And, and so like, I'm, I'm totally aware that this way of seeing things does not provide any easy answers. It doesn't say, okay, now, Simon, here's what to do. No, no, no. But I mean, Which is I, different than, yeah. than the new age prescription, change your beliefs. Here's what to do. Yeah. Like we're so comfortable with, with an instruction set, a recipe. Here's what to do. Yeah, seven steps. And, yeah. And what I'm saying is that we are not in that stage right now where we're ready for an instruction set. Right. I'm not even saying it doesn't exist. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, right now, we need to, to let some belief systems dissolve. Yes. Yeah. 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 Thank you for that. There's a, 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 an extensive breakdown of a, of a different way of looking at it for me, because for me, I always say that all belief is flawed. And I always write belief with the capital L-I-E in the middle, where I always say, I always say belief is on some level filled with a lie. And so when you're talking about this new age idea of changing your beliefs, and um, I've listened a lot to Joe Dispenza and um, Bruce Lipton and so on, and this idea that law of attraction, this whole idea of changing belief was pretty much flawed as well because they never actually told people how to connect to the feeling of what they would feel like when they've actually received a certain thing. So this idea of like, oh, I just want a load of money, but the actual feelings were not changed. And if you, if you can't feel what something would be like, you can't actually magnetize it to you because you don't have this same frequency, right? This was a, a, another, another way of looking at um, playing with creation mm -hmm. and, and manifestation. And then but as you're talking, it, it makes sense. Well, there's two things that come up for me. One is this, it makes sense for me around this idea that the environment that you're in creates the way that you believe things and view things, for sure. I can totally relate to that. But then there's this other thing that popped up for me is the word trauma. And when I look out into the world and I look at how we, we are around, you know, sexuality and at the moment there's like, I don't know how many, 56 um, different identities now for 
for, uh, you know, your sexual um, uh, orientation or your, you know, this identity crisis this is unfolding on the planet right now where, you know, there's not even man or woman, human, whatever, right? We're just going through this whole dissolving, I call it. Then mm-hmm. we have this like sense when I look out in the world and I see, I, I often call this pain bodies. I use the term pain body, which was coined for Meckhart Tolle, but um, I love what Jeff Brown called it recently, the wounded tenderness uh, rather than the pain body. He said the pain body sounded like a car bonnet, you know, like on a car. So it felt very detached from actually the wounded tenderness that we have inside us and that we're not actually, um, we're not actually holding and facing the trauma that we've all endured. And you speak so beautifully sometimes about in some of your talks and videos around like, I love what you said. Like if you could feel the mother earth, if you could feel her cry, if you could hear the, 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 the cries that the, 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 let's say the, the planet that we're interconnected with was screaming, maybe you would stop, right? You would stop doing what you're doing and so on. And then this brings me back to the word trauma. And I'd love, I'd love to, if you feel it relates to what we're talking about right now, I'd love it to hear a little bit what you feel around trauma, because I was speaking to my mum the other day and I described all the trauma I've experienced and she's experienced and that her mum and dad experienced. And she was feeling very depressed. And I said to her mum, you know, I said like the trauma that I've gone through from being a criminal, from um, seeing you beaten up by uh, my stepfather, by seeing the violence of many women that I see around the world, uh, acid poured in women's faces, um, people hung just because of their sexual orientation. I said, plus the physical violence I've endured from, you know, uh, being hit on the head with certain items, being beaten up for hitting a man in the car and taking his bumper off of his car and he got out the car and battered me. Um, you know, punched in the head for cutting somebody up on the traffic lights. I mean, there's a, I've experienced a lot of trauma, right? My, 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 my physical body has gone through physical trauma. And so I'd love to hear, like when I look out into the world, I see that we're almost like trying to cope with trauma, right? Everyone's traumatized. And I don't know how you feel about that. Or if, yeah, I just love to hear. All know. right. Yeah, there's a few things. Um, I, I think that trauma is a very useful lens to look at things to, through which to look at the world and ourselves. I'm not a trauma fundamentalist <laughs> where, where, you know, everything is seen through the lens of trauma right. and healing trauma is the key to healing everything. But I do think it's a very powerful way to look at things. Uh, I also, you know, you said before that you, you, you referenced the belief or what I seems to be saying that our beliefs are a product of our circumstances, our environment in time and space. So trauma would be part of those circumstances, but that doesn't mean that we are helpless victims of circumstances either. In fact, and this is what I was getting at before that we do have choice and we do have a certain power. The power fundamentally is the power of where we put our attention to recognize that attention is itself healing and that as we heal, like the nature of, of life is actually healing. It, life is a coherence and the universe, the, the planet is its natural tendency is toward more and more life, more and more complexity, more and more coherence. So as uh, life you know, you are life, I am life. Our default state is health, is 
uh, and our, our organic movement is toward healing. Trauma is, you know, it's not like trauma is not a modern invention. Uh, biological life is pretty traumatic. Right. Animals, plants, bacteria, you know, tadpoles, uh, mosquito larvae. I mean, how many of them even make it to full-blown mosquitohood? Almost all of them are devoured. Right. And us, right? Even the 250 million sperm cells going to the opening, right? We only one yeah. go through. Yeah, well, that's a whole different story, actually. Sperm <laughs> cooperate with each other. Yes. Yeah, they 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 form a circle of of brothers around the egg, and um, the egg then chooses which one. Yes, is not the best, but is most resonant with the state of being of the egg and what is what the universe is calling to be created, and then all the other brothers essentially they they sacrifice themselves um and i can't remember all the yeah i haven't i haven't i've heard i've heard a similar story to that but i haven't heard that full part of about the 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 brother i mean how did we even know that to even articulate that and share it like that it's so beautiful yeah but you you can see like like photographs of all the sperm surrounding the egg right it looks like a mandala you know right i never saw this anyway story of like the race to the finish line Yeah, yeah That is a story, a belief that isn't just some isolated intellectual error, but it corresponds to probably living in a society that is set up as a race to the finish line. Yes. Where we're, each of us men are in patriarchy. We're in competition with each other. Yes. Competition for livelihood, competition for women. Yes. And, and Money. Your, your, your success is my failure. Yes. Of course, if you live in that, you're going to see procreation as a race to the finish line too. So this is an example of what I'm talking about. And it's also true that even born into this society, other beliefs are available to us that correspond to healing from the wounds of patriarchy and scarcity and all the rest that goes along with it. I guess what I want, where I wanted to go with, with to, to ask, where is our agency? I think it is in the, primal power of attention. That is what enables new information to come in. For new information to come in, you have to give it some of your attention. Right. So stay there. I love that. So stay there. So give, give, a, give an example of that. Because I, again, the idea of where focus goes, energy flows, and the idea of also when you bring attention to something, you bring a light to it. And when you bring a light to it, you have an opportunity for it to dissolve and, and to heal and whatever. That's what's coming up for me. But like, you're, give an example of how you see that in a, in a day to day. Yeah, I mean, like, like I, love, I love what Jeff Brown, I like a lot of what Jeff Brown says. Uh, the wounded tenderness, is that what he called it? Yes. Yeah. And so for me, even that phrase draws my attention to a certain place. And I'm aware of my wounded tenderness. And I'm aware that actually I am a very tender being. And I was once a little child. Mm. I was once three years old. And I just was programmed to trust the universe. I wanted to trust. I was open. And the trust was violated. And what did that do to me? And even to feel that and to know that healing already happens. Mm. 
You are, and, and that's why I say we are not a victim of our circumstances. Because as soon as we bring light to the circumstances, and it doesn't necessarily mean you have to intellectually understand what those were. But as soon as we bring light to the circumstances, already the circumstances are different. So it is the light of attention, the light of consciousness that powers evolution in the human being. And that can be applied to anything. It is a supreme power. That we all have. Yeah. And, and, and that we're using, let's say, without knowing anyway, we're using that light of consciousness, right? We're, we're projecting our light onto things anyway, right? Our, our, our light of intention, you said earlier, the word intention, is actually what's creating creation at the moment, right? Manifesting life at yeah, the moment. I, I, I want to add to that. I'm not saying that all you have to do is pay attention to that and then it magically changes. Mm-hmm. What happens is that you bring attention to the wounded tenderness and then the stage is set for you to take actions. You would be attracted to actions that can heal that. If, if I'm, you know, if I get new information about uh, why my shoulder hurts, you know, I have an injured shoulder and, and I just don't know why it hurts, you know, and I've tried chiropractors, I've tried this, I've tried that. If I get the right information, then it will open up avenues of healing that I was not aware of before. So it's not, I mean, you could say, well, it's what healed me. Is it the information that healed me? that I brought in through the power of attention? Or is it the fact, and someone might say, no, 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 that's not it. It's because you finally went to a, you know, cranial sacral therapist. Yeah, and he was the master, or she was the master. Right, so, but why did I go to that cranial sacral therapist? What changed that brought that into my life? And it could be uh, that I got new information about, you know, myself. It could be much more mysterious than that. Yeah, but you also, you maybe you tuned into the, the, the intuitive knowing or guidance of your shoulder, right? There's a, there's a, there's a, the, uh, uh, there's like a deeper sense of knowing when you tap into the body and listen to even trust that you can listen to your body or, or bring light of awareness into, into ourselves or into a situation and then maybe find some uh, deeper solution or, or, or different solution. That's yeah. a, that, is, that, is that a meditative mind? Is that somebody that needs to meditate more to do that? Is that again? I know you're not giving solutions, but like it's like, well, that, it, is is that a default state of many of us? I don't, I don't, I don't think it is. Maybe, maybe it's to meditate more. Uh, I don't meditate very much. <laughs> maybe that's why my shoulder hurts. <laughs> But that's great, right? There's a, there's a good thing, right? That's actually nice for maybe people listening because, of course, people would love to, to listen to you and hear you on stage. And I like what you said earlier, sort of backtracking slightly, but you went back and you said earlier that you know, sometimes engaging with humans, tell me if I use your words properly here, but can be messy, right? And, and that when you're on stage, you feel quite uh, alone, but you're okay with that. It's quite an isolated place. But at the same time, you said that you also engage with the organism and it's very intimate. But you, there's that sense of you being uh, um, quite, uh, let's say, reserved. I don't want to just label this, but introverted or reserved or, you know, you like that, right? So, um, yeah, that, that, that just come back up again for me. So, well, that's, like, yeah. Yeah, go on. That's, that I'm just more comfortable with intimacy with, uh, 
some beings than others. Yeah. Non <laughs> yeah. No, go on. Stay there. But the thing, I, the reason why I brought that up again was because I was thinking that maybe that's your meditation, though. I, I, I don't know. I get a sense that you're quite meditative, whatever that means, but you're quite present. There's an awareness around you. Maybe you don't sit. You mean you don't sit in silence for long hours with, in the lotus position. Is that what you mean by meditation? Yeah. Like as far as like a practice of meditation. Yeah. A little bit sometimes, you know. Sometimes more, sometimes less, but, yeah. you know, I'm not like the Dalai Lama who gets up at 4 a.m. and meditates for four hours every day, you know, right, right. and a lot of other people who do that kind of thing. Yeah. And there are some pretty badass spiritual <laughs> practitioners out there. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But, but, but I do see you. I mean, again, this might be my projection of you, but of course I, from knowing you, I get a sense that you're that level of, med I love what Krishnamurti always says, I, I often reference this, but, you know, the meditative mind is not the one that sits on the lotus, in the lotus position in the morning for an hour and then gets up and drives down the road and causes havoc and sticks his middle finger up to somebody for cutting him up, right? It's like the meditative mind is in every moment is meditation, the way that you look at a, uh, you know, look at life, look at another being, the, the presence that you have, that's a, that's the meditation. Have you ever heard him say that? I'm familiar with the idea. <laughs> it's just an idea, exactly. That so might be my excuse, you know, not to. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Maybe it's your excuse. So do you not feel that you're, you're meditative in that sense? Do you get angry a lot? Maybe I don't get angry enough. Right. You know, I might have habits of repressing anger. Because, you know, maybe I was uh, shamed for expressing anger at some point in my life. Um, but was you? Do you remember I am, that? I am, not, I am not interested in establishing myself or anybody else as spiritually superior or more evolved. Yes. I think everybody's life path from where they came from to where they are going is necessary for our collective evolution and not any one of those life paths is more or less valuable than any other. And we talk about mindfulness, consciousness, awareness. The question is, of what? Is it that some people are more mindful or more conscious than others? Or is it simply that they are mindful and conscious of different things? Right. And if you're mindfulness is for decades on resentment. You are mindful of your enemy. You are mindful of this person you resent. You are, you are mindful of your problems, your complaints. That's still mindfulness. And, and yeah, like at some point there is the dawning of a choice about what I will put my attention on. But where does that dawning come from? I th think that that comes from the outside when it's ready to come. Maybe it's coming right now. And maybe, you know, just listening to this, a new possibility awakens that I can put my attention on anything I want. So what will I put my attention on? Not necessarily avoiding everything that hurts. Maybe if I put more attention on my shoulder, then uh, I will unlock something. Maybe some things call for our attention because they really need attention. 
And if they don't get it, they hurt more and more. And they make, and they make louder noise. Yeah. Until they may be seen. They call louder and louder. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of that on this planet right now. Right. A lot of hurting places, and right. hurting people calling for attention. Yeah. And we just have systemic ways to ignore them and to hide, hide from them, silence them. Yeah. 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 We're good at covering up. Mm -hmm. And so then we become aware of that. Yeah. So things are coming into our awareness now through organic processes that are not fully intentional. It's that their time has come. Like, I mean, one of the things in the last few years first has been violence to women and, and abuse of women that it's always been happening, but now it's rising into awareness. Mm. In fact, it's probably happening less than it was a generation ago or a hundred years ago. Because there's been more awareness on it. Yeah, it seems like it's happening more in a way because there's more awareness of it. You know, it's in the news now. It didn't used to be in the news. Now it's in the news. Yeah, but now we're bringing the light of consciousness to it, like you mentioned earlier. Right. Which means right. it might come up and seem heightened for the moment, but actually it's out in all the shit that was hidden before. And, and, and humanity or civilization is going through a deep evolutionary process uh, that has made the uh, abuse and violence towards women no longer at home in our consciousness. So it's like a splinter being ejected uh, from the flesh. You know, the, the, the body is rejecting this uh, virus. Uh, now go back, go back. I, I wanted to stay there. Go back a little bit there. I just lost the, the beginning of that. What did, you, what did you say? What's happened here? The, the, it's like the body. So, so um, violence and abuse of women is no longer at home in who we have become or who we are becoming. Right. Humanity is evolving. Yes. And something that was once very much at home in our collective consciousness is no longer at home here. Yes. So yes. Ejected the same way that a body ejects a splinter or, or rejects a virus or something foreign to it. Yeah. It is, it is foreign or becoming foreign to us right now. And so cannot remain under the surface, just accepted. And yeah. I love that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's, 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 it's the organism naturally is is repelling what it no longer needs. Yeah, it's no longer compatible with with who we are becoming collectively. Right. And that process of rejecting it, of pushing it out, is painful. Um, you know, it's like a, a a cyst or a tumor rising to the surface. You know, and yeah. erupting in pus. Right. And it looks like we're sicker but we're not sicker. Right. That's the, the healing he process. The healing phase. Yeah. Yeah. And now, and now, so first with, with uh, abuse of women and now it's the abuse of children. Right. That's just, I mean, it's been coming out for a while with the, you know, uh, Catholic church and stuff. Um, but now recently the boy Scouts, um, there's a huge scandal where there were, they were uh, covering up something like close to 8,000 uh, child abusers in the Boy Scouts of America. Oh, wow. 8,000. Yeah. You know, these are like pack leaders, you know. Yeah. Had, had 
the trust of, of boys. Uh, yeah, and it's not just in the Boy Scouts and the Catholic Church. I mean, of course. and sports. I mean, it's pretty much yeah. this this horrible secret that is nothing new, you know? So anyway. No, but I love that. I've got tingles on my arm as you said that. It feels like, I just want to speak to that briefly. It feels... It feels like there's a huge collective purging taking place. And, and I know that, that old saying of the truth will out, but it feels like everything has to come to the surface. It's like all of it has to come up. And of course, when we look at that, there is a sense of terror and anguish. But there's, I love this, um, which Dara's mum talks a lot about this. She's a naturopath and she talks a lot about, like, for example, when you've got a bad headache and you might think, oh, I've got a headache, I need to get rid of it. She says it's the healing phase. Right? right. And it's like when you've gone through like a challenge, all of a sudden your body gets a headache sometimes because you've just gone through something. It's the healing phase. Right. And that's what I was thinking of as you spoke, that, that rather than thinking like we have to fix everything and we have to like we have to stop everything. It's all wrong. It's like, well, actually, we can look at it from maybe a perspective that we're going through a huge cleansing right now. And, and there's a healing taking place that we're not in control of. Well, I think that the, that the desire to fix everything is actually part of the healing, too. You have to, to, to even have that urgency, you have to know that there's something to fix. Right. Beautiful. So, Beautiful. Like we, no one was running around saying we have to fix, uh, you know, human trafficking 30 years ago. We have to fix child or not many right. people were. There were a right. few vision, you know, people with clear vision who were seeing it even back then. Um, like now, I mean, deforestation has been happening for thousands of years. Yeah. And it hasn't really until recently been seen as something that we've desperately got to fix. Yeah. Yeah. So things coming out of the shadows uh, collectively and also that corresponds to it, it coming out of the shadows personally, where I believe that it's going to become like, like child abusers, you know, spouse abusers, people who are, who have been doing that kind of thing because the collective was putting it into the shadow realm and not acknowledging it, it enabled them to compartmentalize their lives too and put it in their shadow realm and still present the face of an upstanding, respectable citizen who respects himself. And that, as society stops doing that, I believe individuals will be less able to do that as well, both because they're just less able to get away with it because there's attention on this thing, uh, but also because the internal divide that mirrors the social divide begins to dissolve too. Yes. yes. The, the excuses, the lies, the yes. self-deceptions, the denial. They don't, they don't work as well. Right. And, and, and as you're speaking, I'm getting this word, the environment again in my, in my head pop up from what you said earlier. It's like the, the environment is the, the, no longer the conditions in that environment will allow the shadows to hide themselves in the way that they have been. Right. The psychic climate is changing. Yeah. 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 yeah like, you know, when I was, 18 with the guys, you know, like misogynistic comments were acceptable. Right. Uh, I grew up with a load of them. Yeah. And I think that I actually began seeing that change actually when I was about 30 years ago, but it was still, you know, generally acceptable. And I think that's, there's probably certain circles in which that's still true, but those circles are, are, are shrinking. Yeah. And it reminds me again of slavery and all these different different ways that have changed. And I know it's still going on in some ways differently, but but it's definitely shifted a lot. Yeah, there's been a, there's been a lot of change, hasn't there, the last fifty years? Yeah, 
And, you know, also, I don't want to just paint everything in rosy colors because... No, don't do that. There are also, um, you know, there's this kind of uh, siloing of society into separate reality bubbles, separate echo chambers. And it also seems to be that there are echo chambers now where racist and misogynist and homophobic ideas are more accepted and not less. What's your take on that? Mm. It just hasn't run its course yet. Also, sometimes something before it's done, it has to take a very virulent, extreme expression. Right. Even so, though, I had a, a, a experience that, that really struck me. It was memorable. I was in an airport, and there were these two old white guys in conversation with each other, and they were, they were just, you know, saying all kinds of racist stuff. Like, it wasn't, like, violent, like, you know, they weren't like using racist epithets, you know, they, they weren't like tripping with hatred so much as just like really patronizing and, and, you know, just like scientific evidence shows that black people are less intelligent than white people. Let's accept that, like that kind of thing, you know, and that's why those countries in Africa are so undeveloped and like yeah. it was those kinds of attitudes. Right. And, you know, kind of uh, disparaging welfare moms, you know, and what's like that kind of stuff. Right. And I'm like, wow, these people are pretty racist. And I was behind them in line. And then they get to the uh, ticket agent, who's a black woman. And they are absolutely respectful and polite to her. It was as if they were racist in theory, hmm. but not actually racist. It was like they were, they were constructing a brand identity for themselves. Like it was their political identity. They were reinforcing it in each other. But in actual fact, when they're actually relating to a black person, they don't actually believe that this person is inferior in any way. Right. And I'm not saying that, like, I'm definitely not saying that, you know, this is the way it is right now, because I mean, I know that there are people who, like, I, you know, I've talked to, I can't remember who it was, was telling me she's, she's, black women also, you know, and this is a tiny little example, you know, she does customer service, you know, and then like the conversation, she finally helps the customer and the conversation ends with a racial epithet out of nowhere. You know, there's still a lot of hate out there. Exactly. That's deep, deep yeah. hate. And there's also maybe a lot that is just the appearance of hate, partly because people are so desperately searching for a way to identify themselves as society has broken down and their ways of making sense of the world have broken down. So it's like they grasp for things from the past, maybe, uh, or various forms of racial and ethnic identity. Or generalizations. Yeah. Yeah. I know we're coming to a close soon, but I want to uh, ask you something else, um, which might be slightly different, but this is all, all linked. But so when we're, when we're seeing this, this mass confusion that's happening and maybe has always been happening and we're, we're all in there, we're all dancing, we're trying to find our way with our different beliefs and structures and ideas and theories and so on. And then we know that there's that sort of step back of, of observing that all and, and 
And I like, again, I'm using the current referencing what we spoke about today, but also stepping back and not taking it all so serious. Yes. Yeah. And, and seeing the, the duality of it all playing out and that things are playing out in a much bigger perspective than what we can sometimes even uh, grasp ourselves. And that also the planet, you know, let's, if we, if we want to look at how long has the planet's been here and species get wiped out all the time and we're a species. So is there that sense of ever in your, in your space where there's like a, a sort of just a, a surrendering and an allowing that, that, that it's all just taken care of? Is there, is there ever a sense in you that just feels like, you know, it, it can seem really bad and, and shit's hitting the fan, but at the same time, all is well all is well and all is taken care of. And I don't need to get too caught up in it myself because am I just fueling more of the confusion by getting caught up in it as opposed to, uh, and I don't mean bypassing here. And I don't mean just being like sort of yeah. um, passive and, oh yeah, whatever. I'm not, you know, I, I'm not, but I don't know. This is just what was coming up to yes. me. But, uh, did you ever so, have yeah, that? I do have those moments. And I think that those are really valuable information points. Yeah. To, to when you're in that state to really take it in that cosmic perfection, the divine perfection of the world, all is well. Uh, love is all that there is. Like those states of being feed, they feed the soul in, 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 in a way that, that cannot, should not be shut out. If you're yeah. shutting that out, then you're not dealing with, a, you're not playing with a full deck. Right. You're missing important data points. Um, so yeah, totally take that in. But that doesn't mean that you need to construct a story from that, that says, therefore I should, or therefore, you know, therefore I should um, not worry about it and just step back or therefore just you take it in and, and allow that to work on you. Yeah. And then sometimes you'll have the opposite state of being. Maybe, maybe you'll have a state of being where it's, everything is totally wrong. The world is run by criminals, basically. Mm -hmm. And every single institution acts to the detriment of human well-being and we're killing the world and and like this this the world is ruled by evil this is a theological theory even um the gnostic idea that that an evil entity is in charge of the world basically and and sometimes that feels so real and to take that in also again without building a structure on top of that that then programs you after that experience to to live in a certain way and to shut out the first experience that we were talking about right but to but to receive all of these things as we sail the choppy waters yeah because otherwise you're, you're, otherwise you're only taking one part and that one part isn't the full the full right. picture anyway yeah right and then we're yeah. responding from that part which is absolutely that you know that's just going to cause us even more suffering right yeah. So, yeah, when you get the gift of that first part, um, divine perfection, um, boy, receive it with gratitude. Yeah. 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 That 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 I I wanted to say as you were speaking that that space is is always empowered me. Mm -hmm. but, but for example, sometimes I can end up in the intellect, and I can even be in a conversation with sometimes people, and people are coming back with different ideas and theories, and it can get really noisy. Yeah, it can get really like almost like okay. Maybe that idea I had was not, not, not even, you know, close to how it really is. I get it. And you can end up in this sort of uh, quite dense seriousness. And then mm -hmm. I always drop in and go, but I know what I know. I know what I don't know. And I don't know what I don't know. The unknown is cool for me. I trust. And 
all is well. And in that moment, it gives me this sense of not like dismissing the people that are talking to me or not being arrogant yes. not being arrogant or, or superior, but just like, okay, I can just let go. And then it, like, I love what you said, it powers your soul. It sort mm -hmm. of gives a, it gives a sense of empowerment. Uh, yeah. So, so maybe you're one of the people who has uh, closer access to that state of being than others. I mean, some people are very, very deeply in that state of being, maybe through some horrible tragedy. Yes. Where, where they lost everything, lost their children, lost their family, lost their mobility, you know, had a near death experience, et cetera. Like they're just like, they're the person who you, can't imagine going through what they went through and they're somehow nonetheless in a state of bliss most of the time. They themselves are a walking data point and, and like an inductor, uh, a resonant inductor that when you're around them, then it kind of, you get pulled into that field as well. Mm. And, you know, if you have access to that, how does it express itself? Maybe not through a metaphysical argument for the perfection of all things. Maybe it shines through you as good humor and friendliness and just like seeing the good in other people and knowing that they are here for a magnificent purpose and that they are precious beings. And if you transmit that in any way that you transmit it, through words, through smiles, through a touch, through doing the right thing at the right moment, then you are creating conditions for them to take that belief in as well. That's how beliefs change. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I got, I got, I, I got the, the, I call it the tingles of truth, the goosebumps uh, from from that uh, reflection. Thank you so much. And you know what? I, I had the, I had your words echoing in my head, and I just read them now and listened to them. Shall I say on the new book, Climate, that you've so beautifully. I don't know. I don't know. I, sometimes I don't know. I, I don't have words to describe how I appreciate how you condense so much information and, and 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 give it words and then and then articulate it so i just want to acknowledge you for that and i anybody listening i really do invite you to to go and explore some of charles books um but in climate you said something again it just it's probably been one of the main messages that i've always taken from you and i appreciate so much charles is that all of life is sacred and and life life gives um life creates the conditions for life. I just want this lovely thing that you said here. When we're talking about climate, we get like really sometimes lost in the, in the sort of, I'm going to call them like compartmentalized aspects of why climate's a problem, for example. And when you talk about life being sacred and every, every single being is sacred and the reverence we have for life and, 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 and all of it, right? Everything, the whole interconnectedness. And there was just this little part that you put in. You said, understand that the deforestation and that the, you were talking about soil tillage that leads to topsoil, which makes the land unable to absorb rainwater, which leads to flooding. And it's that one necessarily must respond locally, conserving forests and wetlands, 
practicing organic no-till agriculture and rebuilding soil, ignorant of these things, the environmentally concerned person is left with actions like putting up solar panels on the roof of, of, or offsetting jet travel by donating to a tree planting fund. And most of the damaging activities continue. And then what you, the reason why I just want to just quote you on that little piece is that what I'm taking so far from your book, and many uh, I've shared it with so many people, is that you're, you're really given a completely broad, different look on the climate. And we're not going to spend much time on this, but I know, like, it, for me, unless I'm just projecting this, it comes back to this love of the sacredness of life, right? That's why I'm just bringing this up now. And from mm. in this love of the sacredness of my life, I want to take care of all life, right? And I yeah. don't know if you just share a few words on that. Just sure. To, is that okay? Yeah. Um, it's kind of you to mention the book. Um, you don't, don't need to I know. Promote, promote the book, but I, I appreciate I pr- it. Yeah, I promote um, it anyway, so don't worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, really what I'm trying to say is that this crisis that we call a climate crisis and reduce to a matter of greenhouse gases and global temperature it's so much bigger than that. And the initiation that it is offering us is so much deeper than that. It is basically inviting us into a fundamentally different relationship to life and nature and this earth. It will not be solved by switching to non-fossil fuel sources to generate electricity and power civilization as we know it. It is. It will only change fundamentally when we see the world as alive and sacred. Again, nothing less, nothing less a transformation will really change anything. And new story that holds life sacred applies not only to forests and soil, but to everything and everybody. So it's initiating a next phase of human civilization because we do not have a civilization right now that's built on any sense of the sacred. Mm. And we are evolving past the civilization that we are still in. Its structures are still there. Its money system is still there. Its political structures are still there, but we are not at home in those structures anymore, if we ever were, and it's becoming intolerable. And so many of us are getting ejected from those structures, just like a body ejects a splinter. Right. And we feel like maybe there's something wrong with me because I don't fit in. But it's simply that we're not compatible anymore. And so we're attracted to and searching for new institutions, new systems, new structures where our awakening consciousness finds a home. Consciousness of what? Consciousness of our interconnection, our interbeing, our compassion, our sense of the sacred, all of these things need a home. You can't just hold them as an individual. They need a home in community. They need a home in society. And so we're desperately searching for those, feeling out of place. That feeling of being out of place is an engine of evolution, an engine of the search. So what we call the climate crisis is just a very small piece of that. Um, yeah, in the book, you know, I, I draw this out with a lot of examples. Um, of, of problems that people attribute to greenhouse gases that are actually caused by the destruction of life, the destruction of 
of species, of ecosystems, forests, soils. And even to the extent, I'm not saying greenhouse gases aren't a problem, but where does that come from? Where does our addiction to fossil fuels come from? Where does this need to consume and consume and consume come from? It comes from, to, to talk about you know, trauma, it comes from our social conditions. It comes from human society and that can be healed too. So any healing, what, one of the main points of the book is that any healing, whether it's ecological healing or social healing or your personal healing, that changes the conditions that, that power the world destroying machine. And so I wanna broaden the scope of climate activism. It's not just about solar panels and, and carbon emissions and offsetting your carbon. It is about service to life because as you quoted, life creates the conditions for life. So our role here is to make the world more and more alive, to heal and foster life in any form, human or otherwise. Then we are serving, I'm not saying save the world, I'm saying serving our transition, humans and world into a new relationship in which the world becomes more and more alive. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Don't stop. I could listen to you all day. If there's anything else you want to add, I'm just thinking. No, no, that's that's good. I'm just, I'm just saving that part. That was all. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I think that's enough. You know, I don't want to do a whole book now and I want to, uh, (laughs) my sons are waiting downstairs. Thank you for your time. I just want to say to everybody listening, please, Head over to Charles's website. As always, you will find the links and just search Charles Eisenstein. Charles, I love you. You know that, don't you? Yeah. You do know I that. feel that. Yeah. I just love yeah. you and, and I just appreciate you. And you've definitely enriched my life. And I just want to acknowledge you for that. And so yeah. I, hope, I hope this conversation today can maybe enrich one of you beautiful beings listening. And I hope that you've enjoyed this little time with, Charles and myself. It's wonderful. Yeah. (laughs) So Charles, uh, thank you so much. Anything you want to say in closing? No, it's just really, um, I really, you know, appreciate you. And um, gosh, it's been a while since our first conversation on the sofa. Yes. So it's really, yeah, I'm happy to have known you over the years. Yeah. And I hope that we can be together on a sofa again another time. Yeah. I I, I think I'm going to have to come to you if need be. (laughs) So love to your family, love to your children. Have a beautiful uh, uh, afternoon where you are. And thank you so much for your time. Yes. Thanks, Simon. Mm -hmm. Take care. This is our time to rise.